From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. On this week's episode, FNC reporter J.D. Duggan talks to Libby Murphy, Director of Policy and Minnesota Housing Partnership, a nonprofit that has spent 30 years advocating for solutions to develop and preserve affordable housing. In this conversation, Murphy discusses the projected $9.3 billion state budget surplus, bills that have been introduced in the legislature so far, and paths out of the affordable housing crisis. All right. Hi, uh, we have Libby Murphy, Director of Policy with Minnesota Housing Partnership with us. Hi, Libby. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Can you first tell me a bit about Minnesota Housing Partnership and what you do specifically in your job, too? Yes. Uh, So Minnesota Housing Partnership is a 30-year-old nonprofit um, here in the state of Minnesota. Um, We advocate for smart, efficient, and equitable solutions to develop and preserve affordable housing uh, increase access and opportunities for low-income Minnesotans. And we do this uh, kind of through three three major areas within the organization um, that influence our, our policy development and things that we work on at the federal and state and local levels. Um, one of which is we convene nonprofit, for-profit, and government sector partners uh, to, uh, to, to influence our policy. Um, we provide direct technical assistance. Uh, our community development team has worked um, throughout the state of Minnesota in the past 30 years. And then we also do that work nationally. So we've gone to the very northern tip of Alaska, to the coast of, of Maine and kind of all over. And we're recognized for that work um, and our expertise in rural and tribal community development. Um, and then we produce original research. Uh, so some things like our state of the state of housing uh, from 2021, that's something um, that we do and we provide legislative uh, district profiles and county level district profiles really inform policymakers about what is happening in their community around uh, affordable housing trends and um, to help influence what possible solutions uh, they might uh, support. And then I I lead on our state policy work. And so I do lobby at the Capitol. Um, I'm tuned to what's happening over at the Capitol and the legislature right now, um, and then uh, focus on policy solutions at the state level. Cool. I want to ask a bit about that legislative work, but first, have you seen, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about affordable housing, a lot of municipalities and um, lawmakers uh, saying we need more of it. Um, I'm curious if you've seen any changes to approaches in affordable housing over the years. Is there a greater interest from developers or government? Are you seeing uh, governments back up their words with funding, with initiatives, things like that? Uh, Yes. So I, you know, really, uh, kind of runs the gamut because different uh, municipalities have different resources at their disposal, but we are seeing more communities establish what are called local housing trust funds, 
and they're using locally generated resources to fund these local housing trust funds. And this is really because there's inadequate funding at the state and federal level. And so communities are stepping up in, in that regard. Is it enough to meet the need? No, but that's by and large because they don't have sufficient resources to adequately truly address our affordable housing crisis. Um, a lot of communities have used federal uh, resources in the past two years to address affordable housing and housing instability for their um, uh, for their constituents. So we are seeing things, um, and it really runs a gamut in terms of what local communities are prioritizing, um, trying to address local needs, which are unique throughout the state. Um, and so MHP uh, had has been working on local housing trust fund state matching fund legislation now for five years. Um, and the cities have really partnered with us, the League of Minnesota Cities, Association of Minnesota Counties, Metro Cities, um, and all of their member cities uh, and counties have really stepped up. I think there's other areas where we see an unwillingness to budge on, on the part of a lot of cities, and that's around uh, zoning fee and other kind of regulatory issues. Um, I think those conversations are still by and large happening, um, and they're happening at the legislature. Uh, some lawmakers feeling like cities aren't stepping up fast enough on this front to bring down the cost of developing new housing. Um, and so that's something that we're monitoring. Uh, we are monitoring um, that legislation um, and we are support, we do support uh, upzoning to support missing middle housing, but with incentives, mandates um, and resources to incorporate affordable housing development uh, with that upzoning. Sure. You mentioned obviously there are unique needs among different communities. How do some of those um, efforts and uh, challenges differ between maybe outstate Minnesota compared to the metro area? What's similar is that there's uh, every community is suffering from uh, insufficient housing um, and housing that isn't meeting their their needs. So in greater Minnesota, um, we are seeing uh, the need for more smaller multifamily developments um, and the federal and state resources federal in particular, like the low-income housing tax credit, uh, are not the right tools to build a fourplex in a community. Um, and so there's not uh, a lot of resources currently um, to support that type of development. And so communities are thinking about using their local housing trust funds to do just that. Um, homeownership is kind of across the board, something that communities are trying to address. Um, more entry-level starter homes uh, to attract um, new workers into their communities is something that we hear a lot about from greater Minnesota um, to stabilize communities and make sure that people aren't displaced from their communities is something we hear a lot about in the Twin Cities, but just uh, kind of across the board, we're hearing about the desire to increase the stock of, of single family homes uh, in, in the state. Um, uh, and kind of um, some unique preservation needs for greater Minnesota. Um, you know, there's a portfolio of Section 515 properties that are, uh, there's a number of properties nearing the uh, the end of their affordability commitments. And so what's going to happen with those properties? These are properties that um, are affordable to the lowest income renters and communities. And without these properties, um, we, there's not somewhere else for, for, for those households to go. Yeah. So your um, your organization has obviously responded to the the major surplus. Now, what is a $9.3 billion surplus? Tell me about that. What does uh, MHP hope to see come of that money? Yes. So MHP um, is leading the effort around 
uh, something called the Yes to Invest in Housing to Billion in 2022 effort. Um, this, uh, we came out with this request prior to the updated surplus numbers to the February forecast. Um, but really, this is the time. The state has the resources to adequately invest in affordable housing. And to be clear, investing $2 billion in housing is not going to completely solve our affordable housing crisis. But um, kind of what we've seen is incremental investments, um, investments that have been considered historic into Minnesota housing. But for an agency with one of the smallest budgets within the state, that's fairly easy to do. Um, and so we were really ready uh, to step up and say, housing needs to be adequately invested. We need $1 billion in production and preservation, uh, and we need $1 billion uh, for access and opportunity. So things like uh, permanent rental assistance program for low-income households, down payment assistance, and uh, home buyer preparation services. So that our response in that regard hasn't changed. It's just affirmation that uh, this updated February forecast is an affirmation that the state has the resources uh, to invest. Uh, one of the things we are calling on the governor to do in terms of revising his supplemental budget is include $300 million for emergency rental assistance. So the state's rent help and then program abruptly closed uh, in January. And there are still a number of households who are panicked. Um, they are facing eviction, whether or not it's judicial or extrajudicial. And so uh, is that the February forecast in particular is affirmation that we have the resources and we can move urgently uh, on emergency rental assistance. Yeah, I, th I think I've seen some uh, bipartisan frustration with the the abrupt closure of the of that portal. I'm I'm curious if you know you said two billion dollars wouldn't get us out of this affordable housing crisis or just this general housing crisis. What would you say are some of the key paths, maybe more long term, to help pull us out of that crisis? Probably a lot of things you just mentioned, but I want to ask a little bit more explicitly. Well, I think one of the one of the goals of the Yes to Invest in Housing to Billion in 2022 is to raise the bar for investment. So uh, we're not all not asking for just one-time funding through uh, there's money in the tails um, in out years. So uh, increasing, so to just uh, to put it in context, two billion uh, to Minnesota housing would represent two percent of the state budget. Um, so still, Minnesota housing would be one of the smaller agencies. Um, that can be ongoing or um, ongoing for a number of years to really, really address our needs. So back in 2018, the governor, um, Governor Dayton's uh, task force on affordable housing um, said that we needed to produce uh, 300,000 new units in the state of Minnesota. So we need a nearly, we need to invest $2 billion annually, sorry, $1 billion annually on the production and preservation front annually for a number of years. And then we need to continue to provide rental assistance. We have nearly a quarter of Minnesota renter households are severely cost burdened, meaning that they're paying half of their income on housing. Uh, and the implications of cost burden are enormous. So investing in a statewide rental assistance program uh, would be game changing um, here in the state of Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard, um, a lot of advocates and experts talking about um, public safety or, or just social services and saying the first thing we need to address is housing. People need a safe place to stay. Beyond that, you know, it makes everything a lot easier, I'm sure. Uh, a little bit more about the uh, legislature. 
Can you talk to me about what you've seen so far? What, you know, what stands out to you for what's been discussed already? Bills that have been introduced or or discussions that really seem notable? Yeah. So, I mean, starting with the governor's supplemental budget, which calls uh, on investing $1 million in housing and homelessness um, over the next three years, um, that was huge. Um, Our response was, uh, that's great, but we need more. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... Um, the House DFL caucus released there a plan to solve Minnesota's housing crisis, you know, two weeks ago at this point, and they call on investing $1.8 billion. Um, and so we've seen that $2 billion uh, campaign really have an impact, especially in the House. Um, so that is um, something that we're very, very excited about. And that agenda kind of laid out some key areas where they want to focus those investments. And we, by and large, agree with those areas of focus, uh, including preservation. Um, rental assistance, uh, and, and homeownership. Um, so those are kind of the biggest things to date. There's a lot of bills and everything that was introduced last year is still in play this year. And so if you started to tally up all the bills related to affordable housing, there are a number of them. Um, but what is really kind of been uh, focused on to date, the Senate has had a lot of hearings on rent help amendment, trying to understand that abrupt closure as well as I think expressed some of their frustrations with the program. And then uh, they've called in a lot of the Minnesota Housing Finance Agency board members uh, into their committee to better understand uh, how the program, uh, it's not just rent help and then, but how the agency operates and kind of how it's focusing it, its resources. Um, so we've seen that. We know that they're going to pivot to rent control this week. Uh, that's going to be a topic for, in the Senate. Um, I got asked a question on rent control in the property tax committee when I was testifying this morning. So we know that there's a lot of um, uh, interest amongst the Senate Republicans in particular on that issue. In the House, there's been a number of bills and hearings on a, on a number of issue areas to date. Um, there's the Legalizing Affordable Housing Act, which is Senator, sorry, Representative Elkins and, and Senator Dreheim have introduced that bill. Um, that bill, uh, there were so many testifiers in support and opposition of that bill that they had to run over. And so that took up two committee hearings. Uh, you don't see that very often. Um, but so there's a lot of commentary about what are some of these zoning uh, regulation kind of code issues um, that are impediments to building affordable housing or that um, you know, cities are arguing uh you know, fall within their local control and help them uh, kind of plan for better communities. So um, that's been a big part of the conversation. And some of those policies will trickle into uh, later negotiations. We've seen them in previous years um, make their way into conference committee. And so I anticipate some, but not all. It's a, it's a large bill. Um, and then we've seen um, Representative Houseman uh, introduce something called, uh, now I'm blanking on the name, but the Affordable Housing Spectrum Bill. Um, that had a number of different investments, uh, including bonding, um, uh, investments for local housing trust funds, um, and ways for cities to kind of address the issue of investors swooping in and buying uh, a city's most affordable housing, single-family housing affordable stock. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot. That's that's a lot happening. Does this session stand out to you, or is that... um? Is that unique or or have, have has this been kind of an ongoing conversation? Yeah. Uh, so I have been uh, working at the legislature now for seven legislative sessions with Minnesota Housing Partnership. And 
Uh, year over year, we see more bills introduced related to affordable housing. What stands out to me this session is um, I think there's a more di a diverse array of lawmakers who are introducing bills. Um, that just tells me that they're hearing more and more from their constituents and they're trying to deliver from their constituents. It also tells me that they're um, better understanding the nuances um, and housing is complicated and there's a number of challenges across what we call the continuum um, from preventing homelessness all the way up to uh, getting people into ownership opportunities. So uh, that's exciting. I think what the thing to look out for though is a lack of focus. Just with so, so much going on, so many bills, there's the potential for, for lack of focus. And I think that's where um, the House DFL coming out with a housing agenda that's kind of laying out those bullet areas where they know that they really want to invest. Um, that's going to help guide them. Um, and uh, we'll have to see what the Senate does. Um, we know that they're focused on ownership and, and some of those policy items to really bring down the cost of housing. Sure, sure. And preservation is something I, I've heard about a lot lately. And I think that's especially true in, in maybe Minneapolis, even over St. Paul. Can you speak to that, like how that's, what is so important about preserving old homes? Well, one, when um, naturally occurring affordable housing or subsidized uh, affordable housing that's exiting out of its affordability com uh, commitment, uh, when those properties are bought um, and a new owner is interested in raising the rents, that displaces people. I mean, that is the biggest impact. So it destabilizes communities. Um, and so policymakers are looking at um, investing in preservation as an anti-displacement strategy and, and community stabilization strategy. And even the governor has called his proposal of 100 million um, community stabilization. Uh, so that is really the biggest thing. Um, and something that MHP has been prioritizing for a number of years. Mm -hmm. It's really unfortunate that lawmakers didn't uh, allocate resources to this issue sooner. We've seen uh, a number of properties, especially in the past few years and prior to that, have been lost. Um, there wasn't the resources for affordable housing developers to come in uh, and purchase and maintain the affordability of those, of, uh, of those properties. And we didn't invest in any resources to help tenants acquire their, their own properties. Um, and create shared equity cooperatives. Um, and those, those ideas are starting to percolate in, in the legislature. Um, but because we delayed in addressing the naturally occurring affordable housing stock, lawmakers are going to have to prioritize because we are also seeing LIHTC uh, properties that are exiting out of their affordability. Um, so the subsidized market too um, will need resources for preservation. We've underfunded uh, public housing. And so we need resources to maintain that affordable housing for our, our extremely low income households. Um, and then we're also seeing pressures on uh, the single family uh, housing stock. And so that is entering into the conversation. And how, how do we uh, keep the most affordable housing stock uh, available to Minnesotans and uh, assets in the community and wealth building opportunities? Yeah. Looking forward, do you see a path out of this crisis? Uh, yes. I mean, it takes resources. So yeah. we need the federal government. Um, that is the biggest player in all of this. We need the federal government uh, to put more resources to affordable housing. The Build Back Better uh, Act. Uh, who knows what the future of that is? Uh, we continue to hear that 
the numbers for housing, you know, are whittling down. Um, and that's incredibly unfortunate. Um, the state needs to recognize that it is and it has a role to play um, in a way that it hasn't and needs to step up. Um, and then local governments um, also need to continue stepping up. Uh, and I think that through some large infusions, there can there will be a tremendous impact um, in creating more more homes, more units, preserving existing homes. Um, and then you know there will be need to be ongoing investments because if we continue, um, uh, people will continue to experience cost burden and severe cost burden so long as wages continue um, to stagnate or uh, grow incrementally as compared to the cost of housing. Um, and so we'll need resources to alleviate that cost burden for, for those uh, low-income households. Sure. Well, great. I, I don't really have any other questions. Is there anything you wanted to add that I didn't ask about? You know, I think the other uh, thing that I, that I just mentioned is what's exciting about this year in some ways is that after two years of people spending more time in their homes than ever, um, and lawmakers experiencing that too, and lawmakers hearing from their constituents about, about being in their home and everything that home meant to their constituents and to themselves. Um, I think they're really starting to see the intersections of housing, healthcare, education, uh, workforce development, inclusive growth. Um, and, and that is also unique about this session. Um, and I think for the first Housing advocates have been talking about these intersections for a long time, but it's really, I think, a change um, in lawmakers understanding that we can put lots of resources into education, but if, you know, if a quarter of um, Minnesota renter households are experiencing severe cost burden um, and those uh, families are experiencing high mobility, those resources are not going to equitably uh, reach every single student. Um, and we see that across healthcare and, and climate too. Um, I should say that uh, the climate action agenda also included resources for affordable housing. Um, so that's different and that's exciting. And I think lawmakers really need to step up in this moment when there is so much attention to the fundamental role that housing plays in all of our lives and how foundational it is to all of these other um, parts of our lives and these other public policy goals that they have. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. All right. Take care.